0: We're the Nata Grande boys. I'm Rodney Wood and I'm Kyle Jackson. Welcome to the Nata Grande Outdoors Podcast where we hunt, hunt it forward.
1: Uh, on that note. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Your mom was so fat. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's how you know it's going to be a good podcast. Right? right? <laughs> you know, when we bring it in with the. Uh, Good Mala joke. joke. Um we're recording by the way. Oh great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Great. <laughs> A little something that Rodney does. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing it. Been planning it for years. <laughs> um, yeah, fun night. So we have one half of this year's Hunt It Forward participants yep. joining us tonight. Mike Shine, welcome. Hello. And we're going to take him hunting this year. All
0: right. Yes, we
2: are. That's what we do. As is what we do. <laughs> that's that's what it's all about. Hunt it forward. Um, that was our. I don't know if it was our goal when we initially started the podcast. Part part.
0: part. No, it wasn't. I'm going to enunciate well tonight. No. Uh, it wasn't when we initially started the podcast, but it uh, it became a a key goal within. Within the dynamics of what what the podcast was started for? Yeah,
2: yeah, the podcast was started to help um, put out good factual to put out good information to new hunters. That's it. <clears throat> and we thought,
0: Kyle thought, like the, the the
2: the idea was Kyle's. The name was mine. Yep. Uh, but the idea is what matters the the uh, the hunt it forward initiative we struggled for a long time we called it a program a plan <laughs> and we eventually settled for settled on initiative the hunt Pro- it forward programs, initiative
0: program program sounds very formal mm. and we're not there yet <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway it's like something you go to jail and you yeah, go, you yeah. get on the program or something yeah. Any, yeah. It, anyway, we have our Mike's two... Mike's our Hunt It Forward graduate. We have, we have two
2: <laughs> new Hunt It Forward participants this year. We do. That we will be taking antelope hunting later on this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shay couldn't join us tonight, but gonna he's going to join us later. In um, another podcast, we'll be debuting him. But tonight, it's all about Mike. Hey. Um, like I said, welcome. And This makes
0: us even, by the way why is that why is that what so um we were, we were all on how uh, many people yeah, we were recruited not how many but the, the 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 dynamics of it so our first two participants were female both girls mm-hmm. yeah second two two participants <clears throat> one girl one guy mm-hmm. now we got two guys so we're totally even on it right and we yeah, were afraid we weren't going to get to for a minute that point. there for a minute we were very
2: worried that it was going to be uh, a lot of women nothing but women yeah um not that there's a problem with that. It's just, you know, we like to be diverse. Yeah, oh you know, yeah. Across the board. Uh, mix, big it, mix it up. Keep and, it balanced. And, like <laughs> um, right? So so yeah, um the it we've we've progressed with Hunt it forward throughout the uh three um groups that we've had. Mm-hmm. Uh the first group
0: was very um, we've apologized profusely. They were they guinea pigs. They were guinea pigs, yeah. <laughs> it was it was trial and
2: error. We were like so we're, and gonna, we're gonna try lines. to take yeah. y'all hunting. We're it's, not sure how it's gonna go, but it was freaking amazing. It was, yeah. it was one of the one of my favorite hunts, period, of all time. Really. Um, yeah, we had such a good time, and to be honest, we were learning. More, more than they, we were. were probably learning more than they Absolutely. were. Absolutely, um, with the whole concept of taking them hunting and teaching them, and how the Hunt It Forward program was going, initiative was going to go, um, and, and and all of that, it was just very a, a great learning experience for us, and we had such a great time. And then it was successful. Um, both Adrian and Emily got antelope, mm-hmm. so it was awesome. That's um, big. The second year. Um, we brought in two new participants the very next year, and uh, Shay and Ryan, and they were just as fantastic, and and we're very grateful that they were because we really didn't know if anybody could live up to the first set, uh, but they did. They were fantastic. Um, watching Shay, it's two Shays. It's two Shays. Two Shays. Uh, watching Shay, I know what the next podcast is. Right, for <laughs> <laughs> Shay. Uh, <laughs> um, but watching Shay ball her eyes out every time she shot something was yep. was pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> listening to Ryan, such a knowledgeable dude, uh, such a different perspective on, on the such world. Such a different perspective, uh, yeah. yeah. And
0: and he um, came from back east as well, right? From um, yeah. for
2: Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania Yeah oh. Oh. Um, but, but having that group, um, and, and we learned with the second group that we couldn't abandon the group after one year, Mm -hmm. we had to do a return. So, Mm -hmm. so we kind of slowed things down and what it, it, it means. We're only getting basically one person a year instead of two people a year, but there's only two of us. It's hard. Uh, but it allows us to give them better information. So we, we take them out hunting, um, like, like we will do with, uh, you and Shay this year, Mike, um, we'll take you guys out hunting. You'll, you'll get some experience. It'll be a private land hunt, um, for female immature antelope. And we'll we'll take you through, through all of it. We'll take you through, um, Shooting, shooting, hunting safety, basics, safety, hunting basics, shot placement, um, gear, gear, get you out into the field, stalking, uh, identifying animals, um, identifying tracks, scat, all of that stuff. Yeah. and Ooh, scat. And scat. then <laughs> the following year, what we'll do is we'll help you navigate the proclamation. The hunting regulations, the rules and regs for drawing a public land tag, mm-hmm. um, which is really awesome uh, and very daunting. So people like me and Kyle who have been doing this, particularly me, I've been doing it since before you even had to draw a tag. Yeah. I mean, you've always pr- had to draw elk, but, you know, for the longest time, over the a lot of was tags over were counter. over the counter. Turkey hmm. was
0: over the counter. Turkey um, still is.
2: And, and... Now, with the proclamation and the draw, the drawing odds and the units, and it's so hard to get a tag nowadays, mm-hmm. um, it's pretty daunting. And so, we f- like to follow it up now. Um, and we did with Ryan and Shay. Uh, we followed it up with them the second year, helped them put in. They drew tags. We took them hunting on public land, and it was very, very different. Still just as satisfying and just as fun and just as successful.
0: Absolutely.
2: Um, but very different because public land hunting is so much different than private land hunting hmm. because of the pressure on the animals, the, the people the that you're going to run into, there,
0: all, all of the
2: mm-hmm. different factors that you have. So it became important to us. We we recognized pretty early that it, that it was very important to go through that with them. Um, so we'll get to do that with you guys and looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Another cool fact about this year's group is
1: they're here? <laughs> <laughs> they're all, we're yeah. all in close proximity, so yeah. we're not having to travel. Say the other two in Albuquerque. Yeah, yes. Yes. so we had to travel. So
2: yeah. I was I, the last group we had. I was living down south, and Kyle was, I was. So I was almost at the very southern end of the state. Kyle's at the very northern end of the state, mm-hmm. and we were to meet in the middle. Uh, so we only got to meet, you know, a couple, two, three times a year. Uh, with our participants, and it really didn't lend to getting good, knowledgeable information.
0: I mean, we did the best we could. Yeah, and and
2: so little what, is better than none. What happened was,
0: you know, we would get together a day at a time, and we would cram as much information as we could oh. into that day. Where, yeah, I'm excited about this year because even though we're getting a start a little bit later, since we're all here in close proximity it'll be much easier to take little chunks and mm-hmm. do it over a period of time yeah. rather than try and jam a bunch mm-hmm. of information into one single day i think well, you guys will be better off for it exactly mm-hmm. and
2: like one thing that we can do i'm looking forward to this year is we can actually all load up and go down into the field and look at some antelope without even taking a firearm yeah and that'll be a lot of fun yeah um we can call it scouting or just whatever we want but that's i'm looking forward to being able to do that our both of our previous sets had not laid eyes on an antelope in a hunting sense
1: until, until we, we went it.
2: hunting mm-hmm. so uh i'm looking forward to the different possibilities this year the different things that we're going to be able to do and cover and put on the podcast it's going to be a lot more detailed this year yep i'm looking forward to it. Yeah. absolutely
0: uh, having said that, we've been talking for how long now? And um, ten minutes, dude. Ten minutes. ten minutes. We got an hour to fill at least, oh. or not. <laughs> you never know. Uh, Mike, it's hot. Give us, yeah, it's hot. Yeah. Now, now we got to roll into Mike. Uh, give us, give us some background. Uh, where are you from? Uh, kind of, um, just a little bit of history on you and and mm-hmm. what got you connected with us.
1: Well, uh, I was born in New England, in Massachusetts, just about an hour outside of Boston, right on the New Hampshire border. Um, grew up there most of my life. I was in, uh, you know, Boy Scouts and stuff like that. That's where I got my first experience, uh, you know, with, with a rifle, 22 rifles back then. I have a great little story about that I could tell you later, but uh, yeah. Uh, End up um, joining the military. I was in the Marine Corps, you know, reserves uh, for a little ways. So I had some more experience with rifles, but I never hunted. And I never had any friends who hunted. My father didn't hunt. Um, is, there, is there a lot of hunting around around that area? So not too much, but there is. Um, you know, in Massachusetts, you got to go through hoops to get a, any kind of firearm. And, you know, it's really tough uh, stuff. Um, I have friends, you know who have uh, rifles and pistols, but they all live in New Hampshire. Yeah. I didn't have too many friends either, though, who uh, you know uh, went hunting, but uh, it is around. I mean, you, when you drive around there, you see trucks off the side of the road, off the side of the highway, freeway, everything else. People going in the woods at certain times, going hunting. I mean, when I was a kid, I had a paper route, and uh, there was a guy on my paper route, and then the paper route was in the middle of kind of an old city, uh, and he was a bow hunter, and I go in his house to collect a you know, the the money for the paper route and he'd have, you know, bucks and fish and turkeys and everything else. And one day, you know, I saw a doe hanging in his backyard, you know, in a little small little backyard. It's barely, even, right. you know, a quarter of an acre and he's got, you know, his doe hanging. He's got it sliced open and ready to go. I'm like, wow, look at this. You know, I'm 11 years old. And, uh, when I mentioned earlier, I had a friend who lived out in California, this is years later, um, cause I had lived in California for a little bit friend of mine moved up to Sacramento, and uh, in between there, I, I lived in Arizona for a bit in Flagstaff. and was back in Massachusetts, but I flew out to see him, and we uh, drove back east. He packed up his van with all his stuff. He had a couple of dogs, so we had a couple of dogs in the van. We had the mattress strapped to the top. He doesn't pack anything <laughs> until I get there either. I figure right. we're going to leave the next morning. <laughs> I get there that you know the, the night before. He's got nothing packed, so we pack until we leave at 4 in the afternoon. You know, we go through Tahoe, Truckee, we go through Reno. It's uh, strange, too, the Johnny Cash song, uh, you know, I've Been Everywhere, yep. man. Yeah. at the beginning of that song, is, uh, I was walking down the dusty Winnemucca Road. And as soon as that song came on, we look over, and this next exit was Winnemucca Road <laughs> in Nevada. <laughs> I, really, I swear to God. So, anyways, we get to Salt Lake City. It's it's, it's, right. it's 7 in the morning. We go past the Salt Lake. So, let's keep going to Jackson Hole. We get to Jackson Hole. Make it through this massive snowstorm, but we're all packed down so much stuff that we don't go off the road. People are going off the road. We get to Jackson Hole. We pull in. We drop off the dogs at the mo- Motel Six. All right, let's go to the, get some food and some drinks. And as soon as we pull out, that van breaks down. Breaks down. But we're in Jackson Hole. It was cheap. It was a auto body shop. Around this is maybe the first mechanic and shop.
0: last time anybody said we're in Jackson Hole and it's cheap. Right.
2: Like, yeah. Last time they were. Th- last time we were there, we were visiting the. uh $10 store. Yeah. They don't have they dollar store. They
1: don't have the a $10 store. $10 store. <laughs> yeah. I bet. Well, I, yeah, this was eight years ago, but somehow we were in the middle of some off season. Mm-hmm. And it, it would, the Motel 6 was 36 bucks. Nice. With the dogs in it. So we break down. We put the, there's a shop around the corner. We go down. We, and there's a guy. There's guys next door to us. Two guys. They must have been in the 60s. They're from Oklahoma. But uh, they pull in the next morning. We see them. And they got a couple of elk couple of elk in the back of the pickup truck. You know, like, wow, what's this? And just like, you know, and we're looking at it. And we got the dogs. And the dogs start licking the bed. licking the blood off this coming <laughs> out the the, you know, the back of the truck. And the guys, you know, they tell us about their hunt and what they did. And, and I'm just, I just couldn't believe. How did these guys get these two elk out of the woods, for one thing? Right. How do they even get them? And they're saying, yeah, we're going to shoot down to Oklahoma. And then we're going to dress them and cut them all up. And so, you know, it's, uh, it's like, wow, look at this. And, um, yeah, so. I get back here, I go down to Florida. Uh last year I'm living in New Hampshire. COVID hits, but I end up working luckily New Hampshire, you know, some places that are open, had some work. But winter dies out, I go down to Florida live with my friend's one's a veterinarian, they got all kinds of animals down there. And then uh then I find out about New Mexico. I'm I'm going to go Actually, I was going to go see my buddy up in Washington state. He's uh, cuts trees, uh, cuts trees around power power lines things like that. There you go. Um, so I was kind of on that way, but then I found out about the ranch up here and, uh, here I am sitting doing a podcast and, uh, you know, but, <laughs> but you know, I always had an interest in hunting, but yeah. it was like you said, going through hoops, uh, you know, all the, all the different, especially in the East coast, it's, it's the regulations. It's really tough. Oh. And I didn't really have anybody really to kind of get me in there and to kind <clears> of, <throat> go through those hoops or yeah. even just you know the basics of just yeah getting a license it, for it's a it's tough first here case. and
2: that's and that's the mm. you know that's the cool part is you never know who around you doesn't hunt yep but mm-hmm. wants to yeah mm-hmm. it it is very i i find it very funny you know because uh, There's probably plenty of people that I've worked with and been around um, and just never knew it. And, you know, just one small little conversation with you.
1: um, Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. And I don't even remember how that conversation was sparked. Um,
1: Yeah. Yeah. We we were talking. But then, you know, I'd asked you if you'd been hunting before
2: and you said no. And um, I think we were talking about shooting. Um, But anyway... Next mm-hmm. thing I know, you I find out you don't hunt. I ask if you're interested. Yeah, and I, t- bam, t- I told you, like,
1: coming here, I'd love to learn. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm really yeah. interested.
2: In so so really yeah. looking forward to it.
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think, again, uh, we've probably talked about it uh, numerous times on the podcast. Um, you, you just never know who who's interested, who's not. Uh, Adrian, Shea, uh, not the new Shea. Last year, Shay. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: that's going to be tricky. That's going to be really tricky.
0: <laughs> Shay one
2: and Shay two. Usually, there's too many mics. No, Shay one, one Shay and, Shay two Shay. and two Shay. Two <laughs> Shay. I wonder if they like that. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, <laughs> it's all recorded. Now.
0: Uh, anyways, both of them had had ex- And I don't, you know, I don't know. I wasn't there, but both of them had in in telling their story about how they got into the hunt it forward with us, uh, basically had said, you know, we have friends that hunted and we had expressed some interest, but never outright asked and just, just never got anywhere with it. And so I I think it's, it's Hmm. important. One, if you're interested in hunting, don't be afraid to ask somebody about it. And two, on the other side, if you're somebody who does hunt, you know, kind of keep keep your ears open for somebody who's fishing for, you know, who's asking a lot about hunting or, right. um, or is you really looked in or what you would call fishing for, for an answer or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Cause oftentimes, that's what they're doing. They're feeling out the waters. Yeah, to it's say them waters. Tuss- that's what I was. What's What's doing? the option?
1: Yeah, yeah. Because it you really do almost need a guru. Yeah. <laughs> to kind of show you the way. Because it's 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 really complicated. It's, well, it, it's complicated. And you don't want to blow into. money the wrong way. You know, it's yeah. it costs a lot of money. So you you don't want to spend yeah. the wrong.
2: Yeah, it, it is. It is complicated to get into it, and I think that's kind of the whole point of this mm-hmm. is to tell the story of what we're doing and show how much fun we're having with it because it's not it's not selfless it's it is not a selfless deed um we get great joy from doing it and we are bringing new people into hunting that probably wouldn't have been into hunting it's very easy to get the kids of people who are already hunting Mm. you know um most i would say and this is probably anecdotal but most people who hunt, their kids probably going to hunt. Or at least have been exposed to it. Yeah, they're at least exposed to it. Um, But that's the whole point of this, is to get new people in. Emily, she was one step away from being a vegetarian. Mm -hmm. And now she's a meat eater. Mm -hmm.
0: And out there shooting her own, you know, killing her own meat. And that's something that you, you know, that you had mentioned a little bit earlier before we were recording, Mike, was kind of your motivation for, for wanting to do it. Um, take us through some of that.
1: Well, I mean, there was a time I was a vegetarian years ago. I did. did. Um, let's, let's back
2: up real quick. Let's, let's actually go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I want to know, being from, from where you are, Mm -hmm. Massachusetts, um, what kind of conversations are being had about hunting? You know, oh, yeah. I mean, you obvious had, obviously had a little exposure to mm. it uh, when you were young, but, you know, when you're younger and growing up and mm. what kind of conversation were you exposed to about the hunting world?
1: Well, I mean, for, for the most part, people are completely disassociated from it. You know, where I grew up in different cities, you know, little kind of bum cities and then you know, I lived around Boston for about 10 years and people don't think about hunting because they already have, you know, everything. They they, they can find a healthy option or they think is a healthy option really easy. Uh-huh. And, you know, I think most people think that, I mean, I had not had too many conversations, but, uh, you know, when you bring something up like that, people don't understand the point of it. The, the, yeah. the food's already there. It's, you know, it's already ready to go. And they think that, you know, it's it's just, it's just that easy, I guess, yeah. you know, that it's, uh, and they think they know where it's coming from, but you know, it, 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 just going back to maybe what Kyle says too, is that that's when I'm thinking about what I want to eat, you know, what's been factory farms, what's been, you know, where it's, where's it coming from? You know, even as a, even if I was a vegetarian still, you know, the the process that it takes to, to go through, to make all this, how many bugs are getting killed in the field while they're chopping things up, you know, when I'm eating something that says organic, am I sure it's really organic? You know, yeah. you see that people use this name organic or you know GMO free or Grass-free, whatever. Yeah, yeah, all that stuff. Conflict free corn. <laughs> but do I really? Su- know? I'm not sure how you label it.
0: <laughs> how do you know the stocks aren't out there? <laughs> shut up, a hole. Yeah. No, you shut up. <laughs> <laughs> See you know
1: i don't know how do i know that's not really going on but you know I, I think you know people don't really understand where their food is coming from with hunting you really know where your food is coming yep, from absolutely. it's really free it's really there you know you know exactly what you do with it and you know exactly what it's you know it's gonna be it's a it's a wild animal and it's not, it hasn't been in jail and you you know it hasn't been processed in any weird ways or anything like that and i think from you know, from where I'm from out there, you know, a lot of people they just don't really think about that. They think of it more of a, if it's, it's something that's not really necessary. They don't think about populations getting out of control of deer and things like that. And and you know, you, it's funny. I'd be right in Harvard Square, you know, in Harvard Yard, right there, and there's turkeys running around all over the place. There's deer sometimes you see, mm-hmm. and rabbits all over the place, and they're out of control. But nobody wants to do anything about it because <laughs> you're like, oh, what are we gonna do? So you know that kind of balance you know it seems like it's a good idea not to do anything with them but it, it or more it, or more
0: yeah. more often than not they're paying some company to do some sort of removal yeah, um, yeah. yeah. or or agency letting to letting other do some uh-huh. to do it themselves. rather than the 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 system that works which is mm-hmm. to, to have public or private hunters you know, paying to to take care of that population. I assume problem. so, yeah.
1: And it's really hard to get any. And you see, the you know tick problems are out of control up there. You know, Lyme right. disease and things like that because it's there's a, so many deer. All
2: it's, it's, a, it's a big problem in in moose nowadays. Uh, oh, yeah. up north, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: oh yeah, I've heard about that. They've seen moose covered in ticks. Yeah, they're just, yeah it's sad. Uh,
2: interesting follow-up question, I think. Anyway, how much did you know about where beef came from when you were younger?
1: Well, I didn't know anything. Yeah, I was just bought at the supermarket. That was it. That's I find all I knew. I, yeah,
2: I did. I mean, I find that interesting and relevant because mm-hmm. I mean, coming from New Mexico and being you know raised ranching and stuff mm-hmm. like that, I have a knowledge. But I think that a lot of people like the hunting. We take that for advantage mm-hmm. uh, because we don't we don't we're not from an area like that where there's not a lot of agriculture, mm-hmm. and we don't because we grew up with it. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, <clears throat> where the meat come from, life, death, sex, all of those mm-hmm. things, when you grow up on a farm, mm-hmm. you learn about all of that firsthand <laughs> from a very young age. It's just true. It's just part of, yeah. the, um, part of oh, the process, yeah. you know. Yeah, 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 so yeah. It, it's different. So I, I yeah. find that very interesting well, listening to you talk about, you know, where your beef comes from. And I was like, well, I wonder <laughs> if he knew when he was younger because you hear the stories Of people think that it comes from a supermarket, Mm -hmm. but that's not where it comes from, and you know, so that's
0: that's cool. Well, I think that's one of the. I mean, again, one of the one of the factors that we take into account um, specifically, Emily. You know, the first one that we took, that was a big that was a big factor for her. She wanted to know where her food came from, Mm -hmm. and I think we we do have, and I'll try not to get too far up on my soapbox, but. we do have a disconnect in society um, that I think causes some of these societal issues and this societal um, division, mm-hmm. uh, because people have become so far removed from anything. And I'm not gonna, I can't label it as real life because mm-hmm. a person living in an inner city, their real life is the fact that they. Uh, you know, go to the supermarket and they get their food. Uh-huh. But that doesn't mean that they can't also um, change that and have some small connection to nature, to uh, where your food comes from. They can do an herb garden mm-hmm. on their balcony. They can, you know, um, there's a lot of people who are doing raising chickens. Oh yeah, in oh. the inner cities and things mm-hmm. like that. And I think getting more people connected back to their food kind of in my in my opinion, Bring some common sense back into the world because mm-hmm. yeah, you learn some of those um, kind of self-evident truths mm-hmm. that, we, t- that mm-hmm. we talk about in, in, in our constitution, all these other things, mm-hmm. these self-evident truths. You can't get away from it. Like Rodney said, growing up out here in, in the West, growing up with ranching, growing up with hunting, you become very familiar and very intimate from a young age of all those life processes mm-hmm. that are just there mm-hmm. and yeah. they happen. Yeah, um, it, it's it's amazing,
2: you know, and there's so many things in life that we don't realize how that works, you know, um, like living out in the middle of nowhere, you know, I've always been close to a grocery store my whole life, but I understand the concept, so when I moved out 40 miles in the middle of nowhere, it wasn't a hard stretch because i've harvested my own meat i've i've grown gardens i've done all of that stuff self-sustainability um even when i was close that it wasn't a huge change to know i need to go to the grocery store and get everything i need for the next two Mm -hmm. or three weeks because i'm not going back um
1: (laughs) you know yeah so six grocery stores all around right and we had farms you know cow farms and everything but still that it, it was always hard to put together, all right, this is going to be for this, you know. Uh-huh. It was still, here are these cows, but I just thought milk, <laughs> you know, right. or something. Well, and or I they're think they're cute, you know, it was a petting zoo or I, something. And right? I think
0: um, for a long time, it, it went forever, and people didn't have to think about that. Um, the We've talked about this on a previous podcast, but the pandemic really brought into mm. sharp relief the the – concept of self-sustainability um all the shortages Mm -hmm. in the grocery stores all those things um i think has brought some of those some of those life skills back Mm -hmm. and a focus on those um and and i think you know hunting is is and has benefited from that we you know this year in new mexico i think they had record number of applications for the bubble draw. um so that's good uh overarching you look at those societal um issues and I, th- I in my you know like i said some of my reasons for doing this is exactly that let's connect people back to
1: uh for lack of a better term real life mm-hmm. and that's yeah. absolutely i mean we really noticed this, the globalism that how stretched out everything is mm-hmm. we're getting you know these things from you know, China and made in China or meat from you know, Buenos Aires or something, who knows? You know, but all of a sudden people are saying, Well what if I had to and with COVID, what if I had to do it for myself right here in the area that I live. You
2: know? It was it was pretty nice um walking through the grocery store and looking at a completely barren meat shelf. <laughs> Knowing that I have an elk, a couple of deer, and an <laughs> antelope in the freezer back home, it was very nice. Yep, uh, and that's, well, that's something that yeah. a lot of people didn't get to experience. Um, unfortunately,
1: there's not enough game for everybody. No. Um, what is that? Can I ask you? I mean, this is this is one thing that blows my mind, and another reason why I want to get into hunting is just like, what would, how much meat do you have for the? How long can you live off of one elk? As many freezers as I can fit. <laughs> 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 So, uh, real, real
0: basic rule of thumb. Let, let's say, let's take a cow elk because that's that's one of the most common meat hunts out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, a cow elk can weigh, you know, field dressed somewhere in the range of uh, what would you say six?
2: Um, I think generally you're going to drop off about, about three hundred pounds yeah. at okay. the three three At the processor if you're taking it to a processor. yeah, 300
0: pounds and you can expect to get uh, 150 160 about half of mm-hmm. that back so quick yeah, math i was i was thinking of a, a management bison for 600 pounder but, right um so three 300 pound 350 pound elk you can expect back uh process meat about 150 pounds uh-huh. which sounds like a lot but let's say if it's just you that's yeah. probably going to last you about a year or We're, a little more.
2: Well, we'll run some numbers real quick. So you're basically looking at quarter pound per meal.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Probably average, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Um, if not a little less. Quarter getting, pound yeah.
2: of a cheese, baby. Quarter pound of cheese. So at three meals. Most people
0: most day. People don't eat meat every single meal. Mm. You're an exception. <laughs> <haven't noticed> <laughs> you are an exception. Okay. So, so let's say two meals. At, let's average it.
2: All right. Well, then let's go with a third of pound. Okay. All right. Point three times two equals times seven equals times fifty two equals two hundred eighteen pounds. Mm-hmm. So, so if, an elk
0: is not going to last you a year. Mm-hmm if just, you just you if you were to eat strictly elk a third of a pound two meals a day it's not going to quite last you a year, but oh, as well, that's we all know, that's two meals of elk a day. Oh, wow. okay, a day. day. Yeah. So all right, yeah, a take lot. into account uh, oh. you're probably going to eat some chicken in there. Yeah, probably going to eat some pork, some maybe tramp, some beef. You're, and you're right. talking about chicken 150 beans. pounds of meat. Yeah, somewhere,
2: somewhere in there, 150 to 200 pounds of meat. Yeah. And it's 220 pounds at two pounds.
1: Um, so two so meals you can you can usually I'll have a steak maybe twice a week if I'm like in a place where they steak twice.
0: So you can you can reasonably say for for you. Just for you, if you were to take cow elk, you, that would last. That would last you a year, mm-hmm. six, a year's worth of meat. Six to eight months.
2: Yeah. If at, he's I, the... I calculated it at him, <laughs> not me. No,
0: I'm saying he's not going to eat elk t- two meals a day. No, he's going to eat some other
2: things. But
1: what
0: we're saying is,
2: if that's all he had, it's not. It's going to last him six eight months. Okay.
1: If we, if, so that's pretty good though. But yeah. still, that's one animal. Yes. Yeah. That I go out do this work and then six, six months, months yeah that's that's a lot of meat, that's still a lot of meat. yeah it is yeah. It, it is
2: um it's a ton of meat and that's why it's so valuable mm. um and that's one of the reasons that that we love to do it now there's we, we talked about this a lot a lot and this is something that you'll learn as you grow in your hunting endeavors that you will feel like you're not saving any money going hunting that there's cheaper ways to go get meat
1: mm-hmm. It's
2: really not cuz even if you process it even if you have it processed you're you're basically your basic pan a dollar two bucks a yeah. pound hmm. something like that versus what bring you a, would be paying in the store yeah.
0: which you're looking at you know on yeah, on the low end for hamburger three to four dollars a pound yeah there, there's a couple of different have no idea
1: where that meat's coming the, from it's there's coming a, from a couple,
2: couple of different ways that you'll get yeah. it out like if you take it to get processed now one of the things that mm-hmm. we're gonna help you do is teach you some processing we're gonna teach you all of it we're gonna teach you some that's gonna be something that you go that's through another one, with us run, yeah. Um, yeah. so if you have somebody else process your your game animals you're gonna pay in two ways generally they're gonna charge you like a set price per hanging weight. So um, they'll hang it when you bring it in, hide off, and that weight, I've had them charge anywhere from a dollar to a dollar fifty for that weight. Mm. And then they take it in, they process it all, and you get it back, and it's half that because they cut all the bones out, everything out, mm. and that's what you pay for, right? Sounds like a pain in the ass. There's some <laughs> processors. That charge you a set price per pound delivered, mm-hmm. not not that they deliver it to your house, but you pick it up. Um, and if you go, if you kill a cow elk and you go and you pick up uh, uh, 150 pounds of meat, and generally that price is two fifty to three dollars. Um, I think that all of that has went up. Uh, yeah. Post COVID. Mm. Um, but I'm not taking mine in anymore because uh, it's just too much. Huh.
0: Um, but so having said that, it's obviously cheaper to do it yourself. It's obviously cheaper um, to
2: do yourself. And you save a ton of money doing it that way. But
0: what you do have to have to do it yourself is a lot of the equipment. Yeah. And yeah. you got to have a place to store it and cool it and all of those things. And yeah. a lot of people don't have that. Yep. Um, now, Rodney, being a numbers guy, has done run the numbers and he he has this philosophy with uh, um, with power tools. Every time he does a project, he buys a new power tool that he wants. Mm-hmm. And so using kind of that mentality, if every time you were to go hunting or every time
2: um, every time you harvest every an time you harvest
0: an animal and brought it home, if you bought a piece of equipment, a grinder, a, a table, grinder, a set of knives, whatever it is, then over the time that over the time uh, that that you are learning to hunt and learning to process you will accumulate pretty much everything that you need, and that processing goes to almost zero
2: yeah mm. yes exactly so it takes time so at up front it is a very expensive venture to get into um, and the other, i I use the same theory with hunting gear so every time I draw a hunt, I purchase a piece of gear that i
1: I'm, well, not gonna <laughs> I'm not going to say need anymore. I'm
2: not going to say need anymore because I have everything I need now. I've been hunting for many a years. I have everything I need. But I purchase something I want. Even if it's a small thing like a game call. Uh an elk call, a, a a bugle or just something small. Um I I get something for every hunt. Mm-hmm. Uh and it just adds to it and it's a way to do it over time and uh
0: now that that being spread said, that cost out. yeah, spread that cost out. That being said, you as a new hunter, you obviously don't have all this stuff. Yeah. Mm. Um, we are huge proponents of the beg steal borrow theory. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: don't really I, don't really go steal anything. Don't really go just a anything. steal, steal from, from my friends. <laughs> yeah, steal from your
0: friends. Um, but it really doesn't take that much to get into hunting. Uh, if you have you know a couple of good friends that got a decent rifle. Uh, most of the time you're going to be able to borrow that a little bit of, you might have to buy a little bit of ammo a little bit of cleaning stuff so that mm-hmm. you can give it back to them in the shape that you found it um everybody you know the the image in the industry right now is everybody's got matching camo it's it's a bunch of bullcrap. you can go hunting in blue jeans <laughs> yeah can. Can. Um,
1: well yeah i, I lived it, in when i was in arizona i was <laughs> you know i was a tour guide in arizona and just me and the other tour guides just make fun of people that just show up on all this gear. You know, they're spending all this money on all this gear. It's like you don't even need it. We can wear flip flops sometimes if you want if You But yeah, I'll I'll say this. Yeah. There's an industry that's trying to push that yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, you don't
2: need all that stuff. Yeah. You don't need the camo. You don't need um, the fancy bows. I mean, I mean Gucci Flash. <laughs> Gucci Flash. Remember that movie? Was it Sniper? Remember that movie Sniper? That's what. we should start calling it like a, a Gucci Flash. Gucci Flash. <laughs> um yeah you you don't need it but there are things uh, camouflage it helps it does it it doesn't hurt Uh, but but you can do it in blue jeans you Mm can't you you can do it and it doesn't i mean don't go out there in blue jeans it's not that expensive to get a pair of brown pants that's earth tone but you can do it in just earth tone clothing Yeah. yeah plaid uh you know it it doesn't have to be does not have $9, to be a tops right
1: we're talking about the yeah. Yeah. yeah we're talking about those pictures over in the ranch and the yeah, over in the where were we were eating and there's all yeah, those yeah, old yeah. pictures mm-hmm. all those, you know those guys that got the plaid shirts yep. into, yeah. all yeah, and, 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 and then there's, there's a bunch on 80s. there as
0: well that have Walmart what we call Walmart <laughs> oh yeah actually it back in the you know 7 60s 70s uh, post Vietnam mm-hmm. a lot of camo was surplus and the BDUs and that stuff works too and, and you can get that at lots oh, yeah. oh, that you stuff is that. everywhere yeah. still yeah. but a lot of animals the, been killed and <laughs> right
2: yeah mm-hmm. it, it, it when it comes to gear a lot of it boils down to uh, a couple of things um, some of it is helpful uh, some of it is just for better comfort mm-hmm. um You know, a a bad set of boots can absolutely ruin a hunt. A bad set of socks can absolutely ruin a hunt. So some of it is just that. But it doesn't, you know, like you said, you can go hunting in Mm flip-flops. You're just not going to be that comfortable. (laughs) You know, about mile number nine, you're probably going to be breaking down. (laughs) Um, I'd
0: be surprised you made mile number nine (laughs) flip-flops. Challenge except that. (laughs) you talk me into one not doing that
1: one <laughs> be dry arizona for that um yeah but it, that's the,
2: that's that is the thing with gear you know there there are things that make it easier more convenient you know a better tent keeps you drier keeps you cooler um keeps you more comfortable which makes
0: you stay out there yeah longer. so
2: so you can spend thousands and thousands of dollars on gear um but To get started. To get started, and I'm going to go back to something that Kyle says a lot. Misery breeds memory, and over time, Mm -hmm. the misery fades, and you're just left with the memory. And
1: That's good.
2: I think you kind of have to go through that. As a Mm -hmm. hunter, we talk about the stages of hunting, right? But Mm -hmm. there's also the stages of suck. And if you don't go through the stages of suck, you're not going to appreciate the end results near as much. If you're a new hunter and you're out there in all the newfangled gear with all of the greatest stuff, you're not going to learn as much on the way. Because one thing about it for certain is the Walmart camo, the bag, steal, and borrow stuff. All of that does play a part because it is helpful to have good camo that's quiet and mixes good with the terrain. So it does help in your sneakiness.
0: Sneakiness. Yeah, you Mm. you
2: you learn how to be quiet, how to be slow, how to be still out there in the woods, because you have to.
0: Yeah, I'll say um, I'll say this. I mean, it's pretty much across the board from um, from the prepping, you know, the preparing to hunt to the hunting to the post hunt stuff like like processing the animal, there are basic skills that you need. And then there are things and gear and, um, you know, implements that you can get that make the process easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, having a rifle with a SIM scope, lots of people have killed deer with SIM scopes or no scopes, you know, open mm-hmm. sights. Lots of people have killed deer with 30-30s. Mm-hmm. Having a rifle that, you know, shoots really good and has a really nice optic on it just makes it a little bit easier, Mm -hmm. but those basic skills are there. When you're hunting, stealth, tracking, Mm -hmm. all those basic skills are extremely important. Having camo that is quiet accentuates those basic skills. Yes, exactly. It does not give you those basic skills, so... A guy who you doesn't know doesn't give you those basic skills. It doesn't skills. give you those basic no. skills, right? Uh, yeah. S- when the time to...
1: comes when it gets harder, I mean, yeah. I like now I like the philosophy of this too. I mean, what yeah. you just said about this kind of goes back to just society at large is that things are a little too easy, yeah. And, it, and then all of a sudden you don't really grow, and then when the time yeah, comes you where you do have. Some issue or problem you you can't really deal with it because you don't have that memory. Or how how did it go yeah. again? Yeah. Misery breeds misery breeds memory. Misery breeds memory, yeah, exactly. and that's the thing. You know, when you don't go through that misery, the, then when when the real misery comes, and yeah. all of a sudden you're forty years old and you never had the misery, then all of a sudden you then all of a sudden like, you, what the yeah, and then you're looking for reasons to rationalize. You, yeah. you know, the thing. Uh, and yeah, and there's
0: and there's a great. I mean, there's there's. A, a perfect presence for that um, there's a lot of guys that that um, they'll they they'll come out and they'll hunt you know um, but they've never shot their bow they've never shot their rifle mm-hmm. <laughs> and they've got the top of the line gun and i've done it yeah. i've actually been with a guy oh, yeah. he had a bre- like brand new gun mm. um, but it he literally showed up to the range with it still in the box yeah (laughs) so had decided in and he shot and he was all over the place and i'm like what the heck is going on and then i got behind the gun and it was pop 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 i had the basic skills because i had practiced yeah yeah so you can't buy those you you can buy it you can't those accessories will not they will accentuate those skills but they will not replace those skills Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. a, a
2: good analogy of that you know when i first started hunting archery I was very young and I had an old crappy bow, right? I had an old bear uh, that I borrowed from my uncle and I was good with that bow out to about 25, 30 yards. That's, that's what I knew I could, you know, I practiced with it a lot and that's, that's as far as I could shoot comfortably. And I knew that I had to sneak within 25, 30 yards and I watched a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of elk and deer run (laughs) away at about 45, 50 yards. Because that's just, you know, that's how it goes. And then I bought a better bow. And uh, my better bow, I could shoot 35, 40, maybe 45 yards, you know. And I watched a lot of deer and elk run away at 55 and 60 yards, (laughs) you know, but with every one of those animals running away, I learned, okay, I didn't play the wind right, or I Mm. stepped on a twig, or I got myself out in the open in the sun and got seen. Um, I learned something from every single
1: one. Um, The best offense is a better defense. Exactly.
2: You know, so by the time I bought a, four or five six years ago i bought a top of the line bow which is probably obsolete now <laughs> obsolete. I mean, it's, it's a great, great bow. bow. i absolutely love it um but by the time i got that bow and i could sh- i can shoot 60 70 80 yards comfortably um i know i can get to 40 yards mm. i know that i can close that distance mm-hmm. and with all of that i've built in some ethics and I know that I can still get close enough, mm-hmm. and and now I'm not winging arrows at large distances because I know through trial and error that I can get closer. Mm-hmm. So even with good equipment, it also taught me, like I said, morals and ethics mm-hmm. on, on hunting, and I can get closer. So mm-hmm.
0: just because you buy if, a top of the line bow right out, like if just because you, you bought a top of the line bow mm-hmm. right out of the box. And it had, you know, it was shooting so many feet per second. Um, and anybody who was really good could shoot that bow out to hundred, hundred twenty, twenty hundred, 120, 20 yards. Doesn't mean you're going to shoot it out there accurately because yeah. you don't yeah. have those skills yet. Yeah.
2: I mean, even if you can, even if you can drop an arrow in there nine times out of 10 at a hundred yards, doesn't mean you should just because you can, doesn't mean you should, um, but I know I can
0: spend 20 grand to get up to top Everest. Though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no problem. Yeah. Yeah. So but would drag me up top there. But that's and that's kind of some of the stuff that we talk about as far as the stages, you know. I actually probably skipped a couple stages. I I arrived at the enjoying the entire experience stage sooner than probably most.
1: I wonder well, when did you start hunting?
0: I didn't I started hunting in college when when he and I were we're roommates.
1: Oh, you roommates in college? Yeah, oh, yeah no kidding. Yeah. yeah. Um, what so school I, did you go to? Uh, New Mexico State. All oh, right.
0: Yeah. So, have we told that story on the podcast? Yeah, we have. Yeah, great
1: story. Okay. Great it's story.
2: a lot of fun.
0: <laughs> um, so, I didn't start hunting until I was, you know, yeah. kind of, kind of an adult already. You yeah. Know? Um, but it didn't. It took it. It took a once in a lifetime hunt in the Viva Doll for me to realize. I'm here for the experience. I'm here for enjoying this time with my brothers, mm. not necessarily having to get an animal. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And, and you, I don't yeah. know if you know this, but the, the five stages of, of hunting, they, you know, when, when you take hunter safety, which I think you should take, and I think we're going to probably require you to take mm-hmm. through this hunting forward process, you can do it online, right?
0: I can. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, the, the five stages of hunting, um, Kyle, you're going to have to help me out here uh you're gonna, so you're gonna put me on the spot the the beginning stage is um taking an animal just just getting an animal any animal um <laughs> i think the second so one the,
0: the the five stages um are you the shooting up. stage yeah I did look it up because it's been a long time since we've right done i know the hundred ed course so hmm. the shooting stage, you're just wanting to get in get a a, get a shot at something, get a shot at something. Second
1: is you mean limiting a target? I mean or just no, oh this is an You You to
0: of a want to of a little to of a little bit of an animal. You, an you, animal. Yeah. of a little bit of where we start of at. We're going to give you the to Yeah. Uh, the second stage is limiting out, uh, meaning you're going to take an you you're going to a an animal. Hmm. Um, third stage. is trophy stage. You're looking for a certain. Size or a certain quality in an animal, it doesn't have to be. Uh, you know, you could, you could be looking for you know a trophy in a meat animal. You could be looking at a you know specific you know type whatever it is. Yeah. A, a certain size. I want size to take. Animal. Animal. I want to take a mature cow versus a young cow or yeah. or or, a, or a calf or something and, like that.
2: And the, the 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 fun thing with that stage, I, I believe, is I don't think it's necessarily chronological it it can really be anywhere in there um because i think it can linger you know like i finally shot a mature buck mule deer buck with my bow last year it's been a goal of mine that i have not attained until last year um so even though i had progressed all the way to the fifth stage that third stage was still something i hadn't attained Mm -hmm.
0: so so that's uh, three. The fourth is the method stage. So I want to take an animal, but I want to take it with a specific implement.
2: Yeah, I want to take it with a bow, or I, I want, want to take, take it in the backcountry, or I want to take it by myself, or I want to take it with a 1,000-yard shot from my rifle. <laughs> mm. um,
0: and then the last stage is the sportsman stage, which basically means you're you're enjoying the entire experience, and you want to share that with others. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, uh, I think I progressed through those pretty quickly uh and r- r- arrived at that final stage um
2: i wonder i wonder if that has anything to do with the fact that i was through most of all of my stages when you started hunting with me
0: and you just kind of fell in with where i was at possibly um, i mean that's a that's a very sound theory i think <laughs> i don't i don't know it's i'm just I, contest <laughs> <laughs> no uh, no probably, no th- these not,
1: ethics though Or what I find really fascinating about hunting. Because, you know, when you talk to me about this, and I I said, okay, maybe I can get into this more and do this. And I started reading just about hunting in general, where, especially in the United States, back before, you know, in the 1800s or so, you know, there was game everywhere, and people were just shooting anything and no problem. And then, you know, Teddy Roosevelt, he's Mm -hmm. seeing that everything's, he's like, these these buffalo aren't, the bison aren't going to be around anymore. so... Will make it so you know, or they started a club. I forget the there was a club he started. I forget the name of it. Somebody I was listening to something else that he was talking about, but started a club where you did go after a buck that was bigger. Certain you know the points Bird on the and, antler, and all and that. Yeah, what was that yeah yeah. yeah either Boone
0: and Crockett or Pope and Young. Boone and remember. Crockett. Yeah, yeah,
1: and, and and then and that developed these ethics of hunting. Where you know to to ensure that you know uh, a buck can spread its genes around for a mm-hmm. while, and then and then that's the one you want to go for, and you want to leave the the little ones you know so they can grow and, and sustain itself, and just to kind of get this going. That's why I think a lot of people, especially where I'm from, don't understand yeah, hunting. they don't understand so that it's we're we're going to still. It's just like decimating people. You know, shooting and they're all we're smoking gonna, and we we're going to take that trophy
2: concept mm-hmm. that you were just explaining and we're going to turn it completely upside down for oh, you. Yeah? Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so so I, wait, wait, before you finish that, okay. cause I know where you're going with it. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up mm-hmm. uh-huh. because it, there's, there's some other things that we're going to, we're going to run you guys through to help you understand the history of hunting and why mm-hmm. it is such a great conservation tool. Yeah. Um, and that's yeah, the fact. And, and what you're talking about is known as the North American model of wildlife conservation. It's uh-huh. why we have such uh, phenomenal uh, recovery stories mm-hmm. uh, mm. of things like bighorn sheep, of waterfowl, of of white-tailed deer in the east. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, many because of the commercial hunting that happened and unregulated hunting that happened back uh, uh, in the early early part of this nation's history um many species were extirpated were were killed off Um, but it was actually sportsmen teddy roosevelt and others who were the driving force in protecting those species putting limits on themselves on on what was a sport harvest and putting through legislation to help fund the conservation and recovery of those species Uh And a lot of people don't understand that. A lot mm-hmm. of people don't don't understand um, how valuable hunting is to mm-hmm. the conservation effort. And now, uh, and and not only the conservation
2: effort of big game animals, but all wildlife and all mm-hmm. habitat yeah. through through conservation efforts of big game animals. Lot, not just big game animals, all game animals. Right down to squirrels, the Mm -hmm. the, those conservation efforts have paid huge dividends to all sorts of other endangered species Mm -hmm. out there that are using the same habitat that our game animals do.
0: And and so, on this podcast, we always talk about you know take take the information we give you, research it for yourself, come up with your own red McBride opinion. opinion. Uh, But we're gonna we're gonna tell you our opinion based on the facts that we know of 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 why that is so important and moving forward why it's important to get you into hunting yeah yeah for those yeah. purposes
1: yeah yeah and, and i'm i'm already you know looking into it and yeah. and just seeing like what it means there's so so
2: so much to it um mm. the the trophy concept so um the, there's nothing wrong with trophy hunting absolutely at all the trophy hunting is is fine it's one of the stages what do you mean like going to africa going out no or, or, sure going sure, to africa yeah, going down to texas to shoot those animals um or or just going to the back country in montana and mm-hmm. only wanting to shoot a 200 inch deer or a 400 inch elk and passing up everything that you see until you get other that. than yeah. that Okay. There's nothing
1: wrong with that, but but you're not talking about one of those controlled situations no. where they have you know they lay down some meat somewhere for the lion to show up. Well, and just kind of yeah. shoot it, you know. All like, uh, depends. I'll I'll touch on depends. that. Right, I'll touch on
2: that here in just a second. That's always some contentious, for right? some people, yeah. it is. But mostly out of ignorance. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, well, so I'll, and I'll touch on that right after this. But yeah. so I'm just talking about trophy hunting as
0: as a concept. Most people your, your, see it.
2: So what everybody is inundated with when you pick up. Any hunting magazine when you watch any hunting show um when you go to any banquet or anything it's all about a trophy right it's all about what we most people society considers a trophy is a large Mm. animal a big rack um the score (laughs) you know when you talk about boone and crockett they so boone and crockett have certain
0: scoring methods yeah you measure record books you measure
2: the antlers and Get a score of inches, and you know, the biggest inches went. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing wrong with that, but what we like to say here is that shouldn't define the success of a hunt. Mm-hmm. A, a trophy can be a four point buck if your goal was to take an animal with inside 20 yards with a traditional bow. Mm-hmm trophy can be a fork horn. Uh, it doesn't have to be a big old 10-point mule deer or a big old 12-point whitetail mm-hmm. or a 400-inch elk. Huh. Trof- that shouldn't define a trophy. Anything taken with a bow is a trophy. It, it, mm-hmm. it, it's a huge accomplishment. Um, so while we don't think that trophy hunting is bad, we do want to kind of change the definition of that because... It shouldn't define the success mm-hmm. of a hunt. You cannot take an animal. Even if you were just looking for a six point buck, um, or a meat buck, you can still have a successful hunt without harvesting an animal. Mm-hmm. That's what we want to get across. Mm-hmm. We want people to have fun, enjoy themselves. It, it, we're kind of pushing for people to get to that fourth <laughs> stage, um, you, I understand you've got to go through all of the others, but but that's that's what it is with the trophy um, and, as far as we look at it. Oh, it yeah. You don't have to kill a great big deer yeah.
1: to be a great hunter. That's what needs to be cleared up. I think a lot of people fun. don't have a negative perception of yeah. what trophy hunting means.
2: Um,
0: yeah, and, and we probably yeah. shouldn't get into it on this podcast. I, I, it's something that we'll touch on yeah. throughout yeah. Yeah. throughout when we're talking. Because there's, there's a lot of different information out there. And again, it's all... Um, it's all just information that is not well known that's not well uh presented, and no. some of it I don't yeah. agree with some of it i do do agree with mm-hmm. uh but there there is there is some argument for trophy hunting there yeah. there absolutely there is, and, and I want to it's touch a very up, valid argument when well, it's, it's cleared out. up though yeah, yeah, especially absolutely. when it goes
1: back to the you know yeah. it helps conservation and I'll, I'll touch and on that, that I'll touch yeah. on
2: that right now um, a, there was there was a a ranch in Texas so Texas is predominantly private
0: mm-hmm. and there's
2: a lot of class A ranches what we call high fence ranches down in Texas and they have all kinds of exotic animals so there was, and tigers so there was they a, have more tigers than the rest of the world right. <laughs> there was <laughs> a a ranch down in Texas and they imported a bunch of saber oryx Orcs. Mm. saber oryx are on the endangered species list mm-hmm. you get those really cool
1: twisty that they have horns, right? no
2: they just come straight back they're a lot they're oh, a lot like okay. the oryx that we back. have here just a little a, a little bit different species mm, but they go um, straight long straight they, back but they like, curve yeah yeah, they curve. yeah. They curve. Oh, yeah. so mm-hmm. a regular oryx or a gimsbach is what they're called in africa hmm. their horns go straight um, and they're tan with black and white a saber oryx is white with a little bit of red on it and their horns curve back. Oh, um, They're beautiful animals. Mm. Um, this ranch in Texas had a bunch, and they were selling hunts for them. And I think the hunts were going probably for twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 apiece. And um, a lot of anti-hunters were fighting to get it shut down because mm-hmm. these animals were on the endangered species list, and they didn't think that it was right for them to be hunted. Mm-hmm but here's the facts of what was actually happening. And this is where ignorance and sometimes just blind hatred comes from. What was happening on this ranch is this ranch was made a deal with a a ranch in Africa Mm -hmm. and they purchased a bunch of animals and they had a breeding program on this ranch in Texas Mm. and they were selling hunts to pay for the breeding program. And breeding Sabre Oryx and then shipping um, baby Sabre Oryx back to Africa to help repopulate the the Sabre Oryx population Uh, in Africa. Thus, trying to get them off of the endangered species. (laughs) list. And this is what people were trying to shut down, Mm -hmm. is hunting, paying for conservation. Mm -hmm. And that's bad. Um, simply because they just don't think we should kill it. But they're not going to exist anymore mm-hmm. if we don't. Mm-hmm. That's a fact. You you cannot
1: escape that fact. Because it has to be regulated. Because like, if not, if or it's yeah, regulated, it but, but it has to be done like that. Because otherwise, wildlife, you just go out and, Wildlife
0: has,
2: has to have, have value. value. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. if, and if you want to get, yeah. yeah. get something off the endangered species list. Yeah. Put it on a menu. <laughs> put it on a menu or figure out a way to get money from it. Yes. Uh, that's just yeah, the facts it, of the world. Absolutely. Put it on a menu no,
0: or put it on a wall. Um, absolutely. And that's, that's the natural order. Of is. Right now. It is. <laughs> basically. I mean, you you know, it, it may be sad. Anthropomorcy yeah. <laughs> Sorry. But, yeah.
1: I mean, but, then, yeah. but it makes sense. It, yeah. And it does And specifically alive, And
0: specifically, so it's yeah, specifically places other than the United States yeah. and, and North America. Mm. Mm. We, we've we done really well for ourselves. We're very comfortable and so we have time to sit around and, and debate these, these issues of mm. conservation and, and what can we do to save things. The world doesn't run on conservation. The world runs on economies. And so mm. like Rodney said, if you want to save something, figure out how to put it on the menu. Figure yeah. out. The wildlife has to have a value to compete with everything else that's going on in this global economy. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: It's... It makes and a lot that, of sense, and that's why I, it's
2: I'm it's an glad important I'm it's an important part of hunt it forward. Um, simply because, like like we said earlier in the podcast, when we have when you have uh, my kids, okay, they're both. I I don't know if they'll end up being hunters like I am, but they're both into hunting right now. They have pronghorn antelope tags this year. They'll both go hunting antelope. My daughter has killed a couple of animals. Um, she's twelve, and it's, they know. They, they know all of these things. They hear us talk, all of that. They're not the ones that we need to focus on. One of the important things about hunting forward is getting new blood into hunting, new people into hunting to help conserve the sport of hunting as conservation. To preserve it for future generations. Mm-hmm. Um, and to do that, we need new people people that weren't going to be in the sport people with different perspectives people with different ideas uh, and to educate them properly uh, on why hunting is con- conservation because without that we'll lose hunting oh, yeah. um there's and,
1: th- and i've been fascinated with it but it wasn't until i talked to you about it and then i stood then really thinking of getting into it and listening to or reading about you know just this how it is yeah and great i'm great for conservation yeah and i'm
0: and i'm still waiting for it um i i truly believe that down the line with the hunting for hunt it forward initiative that at some point we're going to have somebody that we take out that is either not going to be able to pull the trigger or is going to pull the trigger and say you know what i did it it's not for me mm-hmm. the beauty of it is we still have an ally because whenever they go back to their life, if we have done our jobs correctly as mentors in this Hunt It Forward, we've created an ally. We have somebody who will go back to their group of friends who is not our group of friends, does not think like us, talk like us, look like us. And whenever the hunting topic comes up and somebody says, oh, it's just so barbaric, they can say, you know what? Yeah, it's different. Exactly. exactly. Here's the facts. Mm-hmm and that is infiltration. how infiltration that is how <laughs> that is how we continue to spread that message mm-hmm. um not by teaching more people like us how to hunt yeah yeah. We well, yeah, like us already of us. hunt
1: yeah and that's the thing you know so many people have a view of hunters they're drinking buds they like got the you know walmart uh-huh. camouflage and stuff like that and they hang off the <laughs> back After of the truck to shoot shooting shootin bambi's mom yeah yeah you know Cuminous it's like, movie. <laughs> <laughs>
2: godzilla versus bambi (laughs) (laughs) we know the name of this podcast
1: (laughs) but yeah you know people have that perception and it's 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 not right you know and it's really actually people would be amazed to see that it's actually more aligned with their views of how you know animals should be treated you know know, living free and you know and then it's it's good for you and everything else and you know, I think there's this, is like, a nexus where it's really, you know, with, where especially podcasts like this is coming to, like, people understanding that really, that, you know, this is where the way we're going to be able to eat rights, you know, eat ethically, you know, and yep. all this kind of stuff. So. Absolutely. Yep. Looking forward to it. Yep. Yeah, me too.
0: It'll be fun. Now we get to have Shay on and rehash all this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yep. Yeah,
0: I imagine I, it'll be a, it'll be completely different. I, I'm it, it, I'm not even gonna imagine it. Uh, no, and there's that's the reason I wasn't scared to have. We've traditionally had both participants on at the same time. Yeah, scheduling yep. conflicts. We couldn't do that. Uh, I I have no fears that we're we're going to. We're going to repeat a few things, but the conversation Absolutely. is going to go completely differently because mm. Shay has a different outlook on life and has yeah. different experiences. Yeah, to share. yeah. has a different story.
1: Well, I'm from around Boston; he's from Philadelphia. That's a whole different a whole thing. different. We program. actually kind of hate yeah. each other. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... No, it,
2: it's going to be fun, um, and it's one of my favorite parts about it. Um, you know, I we we speak to Emily and Adrian. Um, Sparsely, uh, Shay and Ryan the same way, but a couple times a year we always communicate, mm-hmm. uh, because you build a bond that's there and, and it's never going to go away, uh, and that's really cool. It's a lot of fun. Yeah.
0: Ryan called us this year. Mm-hmm. He said he drew, didn't he? Yep,
2: uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, he did, but in all by himself? himself, Yep. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's awesome. that's and that's and that's what we're looking for, um. You know, to help people get that foot in the door, and then mm. you know, get out there and do it. Push them off the plank,
1: <laughs> sink or swim, folks. That's what I'm looking forward to. But yeah, and the camaraderie is big. I mean, Absolutely. especially it is. since COVID, I mean, that's a lot of people looking for now. It <laughs> it is. Is Com- and, you know, this human interaction is all on the faceless texts, uh, Twitter. You know, it's like you know, nobody really knows. You know, how to look each other in the eye, hang out with each other, and no, no, go twi- for a no Twitterverse here. So that, yeah.
2: Camaraderie in hunting is great, mm. um, and and it's all it's all different. So, um, hunting buddies are they're precious. Um, I have two of them. So, Kyle and Dedon are my hunting buddies. We hunt together. I generally don't hunt with anybody else. I'll take people hunting. I'll go with other people on their hunt. But if I'm hunting, I generally it's it's me Kyle, and deedon yeah. that's it or or me and one of them but
1: so it's stephen king the dark tower The quartet. That's the, way they, <laughs> the quartet the group that they yeah you're part um, of my quartet yeah Thank and you,
2: I don't know. you you you'll get that way i mean yeah. i don't know if all people get that way but i've i've seen it heard it talked about it's it's pretty common um when you get those groups you you form
1: you, you form a yeah I'm sure you could. A I'm symbiotic sure could, kind of like, yeah. I have yeah, friends yeah. who yeah. you know just we lock in together. Kind yeah, of. yeah. We, we exactly. We're all on that kind of same wavelength. Absolutely. That we know that, you know we yeah. We never bitch with each other, any other because we just always it flows.
2: Of, it works. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. You know, and anybody else adding anybody else to the mix, we're really just kind of jack it all up. Mm. Um, yeah. But I still enjoy going hunting with other people. Just on my hunts, those are the guys that I want. You know, but it's all part of it. It's par- it's part of the process that you'll. You know, I've hunted with a lot of people. I love hunting with my family. Don't get me wrong. Um, I, I grew up hunting with my family. It was all of my family. They all hunt. Uh-huh. <laughs> the wives, the daughters, the <laughs> husbands, sons, uncles, granddads—they uh-huh. all hunt. My whole freaking family hunts. Uh-huh. Um, and that's a lot of fun. Um, but I wanted to branch out, see more of the world than just. Hunting, yeah, successful. <laughs> <So, laughs> mosquitoes, limiting hunting mosquitoes. on flying ants. Uh, But yeah, it's something that you'll go through. You know, you'll you'll yeah. hopefully you know throughout your years of hunting, you'll you'll find a, a group that you hunt with, and then mm. um, hopefully in the years to come, you'll take new people hunting. So
0: that's yep. part of the whole
1: proliferation.
0: Right? Proliferation. Right? That's mm. it. Word yeah. of the day. All yeah, right, guys. Looking forward to it. Um, will We'll have Mike back on several times this yep. year, I'm sure, yep. as we progress. Sure, a lot yeah.
2: of hunting forward coming up in the next couple of months. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Mike, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Kyle? Awesome. It's good to be here. Adios. Adios. See ya.
0: Thanks for joining Nada Grande Outdoors podcast. Come follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. And don't forget about our website, com. Adios. Adios.